technology and acquisition to citizen services and mission execution. A culture shift is underway with federal government leaders increasingly seeking out solutions that disrupt the way business has traditionally been done. Here we connect with those government and industry leaders driving this change and driving the real results in support of their agency mission. This is Keeping IT Brief. I'm being joined today by Bob Stevens, Vice President of Public Sector at GitLab, and Brett Kamara, President at Revacom. So, Brett and Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Mary. Yes. So, with the current state of CMS, the IT modernization efforts, what are some of the core challenges that you had to face when taking on this project, Brett? And how did these challenges have an impact on the citizen? Yeah, great question, Mary. So, you know, at CMS, there's a lot of um, initiatives going on to to do IT modernization. Um, some of the big efforts are really to get out of the data centers and move to the cloud. Um, CMS finds a lot of flexibility and and cost savings in it as as they do that, right? And um, and so you're you're talking about a lot of systems that don't understand how to operate natively in kind of the cloud paradigm. Um, so they offer two pathways right now. It's either move to AWS you know, cloud and leverage some of the native tools there, uh, EC2 instances, RDS instances, um, so on and so forth. Um, but most recently, we've been working on a project called the Batcave, where um, we're really looking at containerized workloads and, and how we leverage Kubernetes to do a little bit more distributed computing at scale and, and making things more portable. Um, so those are kind of the two pathways now. Um, and it's been interesting, right? Like there's a lot of cultural challenges with that, right? People are just not used to working in this fashion. And, um, and, and nor with the agility that are, that is often required. Um, and when we look at, you know, things like containerized workloads and, and adding DevOps to the mix, which, which Batcave is a DevOps platform, you know, there's a lot of anti patterns that were done traditionally in, in like the data center world, for example, that are not necessarily conducive to running agile DevOps, right? So, um, those are a lot of the challenges that we've been working through. Um, I think overall it's been received well. And I think when people see the value that's being provided, there's a lot of change in mindsets, you know, um, in talking with Rob Wood, who's a um, main stakeholder, he's a chief information security officer at CMS. You know, I told him this whole thing is not about technology. It's about winning the hearts and minds of the people. And so that's really what we kind of set out to do. I told him culture change is going to be a huge product of what happens here, although maybe that's not the intended outcome, it's it's going to happen and has to happen for us to be successful. Um, so I, I think it's going well. You know, Cloud as a whole, I think is doing a good job over at OIT with Rajiv, Mark, and Rob um, leading, leading the charge. And um, really, it, it's going to impact the citizens in, in many different ways. You know, they're going to get uh, software and software solutions delivered quicker. Um, hopefully, it's going to reduce the amount of taxpayer dollars that goes to operating a lot of these systems. And, and I think overall, just making it better in in a in a connected sense right for people out there that are getting healthcare benefits from from medicare aid or medicare and um hopefully they can get that more efficiently uh, cheaper and um and quicker okay great so now bob tell me how did gitlab's devops platform provide success and increase efficiency for cms's batcave platform and in what way did it support their current it objectives 
Yeah, thanks, Mary. I appreciate the uh, appreciate the question. So the CMS Batcave, they had they had several objectives. Um, you know, they were trying to they're trying to revolutionize the healthcare uh, business uh, in the public sector space. Um, they're also looking to better serve their customers. They wanted to create a situation where um, they were able to. Uh, increase the speed to what we call speed to mission. Um, so being able to get applications out faster uh, and more reliably to their to their customer base. Um, they also wanted to uh, to create a transparent environment. Um, so by using the GitLab uh, platform, uh, they're able to accomplish all of those things. So well, actually, there's one additional thing that they were trying to accomplish. They want to incorporate security uh, and compliance as part of the the development process. Uh, rather than having to wait until the end of the process to determine if something is secure uh, and try and get uh, what they call authority to operate or an ATO uh, in the government. Um, so by using the, the GitLab platform, uh, again, they, they're able to accomplish all of that. So, you know, as an example, transparency. Um, you know, now uh, folks that aren't developers uh, can actually track the development of an application. Um, they don't need to know how the software is being written, um, but they 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 can see, you know, exactly what uh, that application is going to accomplish and know early in the process if it's going to meet their requirements or not. Um, so that if it's not, they can actually help the developer change course uh, in near real time uh, and, and produce something that's more efficient in the end. Um, so, so there's a great deal of transparency uh, that's now uh, involved uh, in their processes. Um, you know, speed emission and, and incorporating security. So it's a lot better uh, for a developer to be able to incorporate compliance requirements uh, and security requirements during the development cycle versus waiting until the end uh, and then putting the application through um, some sort of vulnerability scan process, which may kick out pages and pages and pages of vulnerabilities that they've now got to go figure out how to fix uh, and take a lot of time. Uh, and of course, they're never going to accomplish ATO as long as those vulnerabilities uh, um, exist. Um, so, what the, the the DevOps platform allows them to do is, you know, as they write a line of code and check it in, it can be scanned right then and there. Uh, and so, they know immediately if uh, they've introduced some sort of vulnerability and it needs to be fixed, uh, and they can make the appropriate change. Um, same for compliance. Um, they know what their compliance requirements are. Uh, you know, if they're written into the development process uh, and it goes through the compliance checks um, while the development is occurring, you've now shortened your authority to operate uh, to, to maybe days or weeks versus, you know, eight to 12 months. Um, so there's a lot more efficiency that can, can be gained from that. Um, and, you know, just some of the other requirements that they have to meet, like, you know, this, there's a big push. Well, in regard to the software bill of materials today in the government, uh, and, and being able to say where every, you know, line of code came from, you know, because developers use a lot of libraries, um, you know, in order to speed the development process. Um, and so, uh, now when they finish that application, they've also got to, they've got to submit a software bill of materials, which details all of that. Um, so by using the platform, you know, they can, they can have that software bill, bill of materials at the end. Uh, and, uh, and they don't have to, you know, take weeks or even months, uh, to produce it. Um, so again, just a lot more efficiency, you know, um, and, uh, you know, all of their objectives, you know, including probably the most important, which was speed to mission, um, uh, are, are, are accomplished, uh, through use, the use of the DevOps, uh, the GitLab DevOps platform.
can I add a few few other things? I think it's really great to differentiate why we selected Git GitLab as part of um, the Batcave platform. Um, and, and I think two two main things stood out, right? Like GitLab is is containerized containerized and it's it's really made to self-host if you so choose. So it really gave us the flexibility to deploy within infrastructure that we currently had um, that leverages, you know, IAC, CAC to, to do all these things. And then the integration specifically with Kubernetes was, was a big thing for us, right? So as far as, you know, all of our workloads as far on Batcave goes, they're all container-based workloads and we deploy them on Kubernetes. So, you know, having that integration, being able to leverage things like GitLab runners, for example, to um, schedule and manage our workloads as far as like pipeline and tool chains go was extremely important for us to have that control, right? There are other tools out there that lack that granularity of control and, and we would be without the resources required to, to be successful, right? So th- those are some of the main things that really allowed Batcave to be successful in leveraging Git- GitLab for, for this kind of platform as a service within CMS. As we know, this is a team effort. Brett, how do you see the CMS initiative growing in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, that's just another really great great question. You know, there are, I think, over 230 FISMA systems that are running within CMS. Um, so only a small fraction of those, maybe 1% or 2% right now, are actually in container workloads. Um, and so we're really looking at moving people to the cloud, moving people to containers, making that more portable, right? Um, so I think there's still tremendous growth um, to happen within CMS, and there's a lot of optimization around a continuous delivery model that, that they're trying to accomplish, right? Um, and, and also this continuous ATO-type model that they want to increase their cybersecurity posture. Until policy catches up and a lot of these application teams can can manage in that new paradigm, I think there's, there's tremendous opportunity for, for that to grow. Mark, Rajiv, Rob, um, the three gentlemen I mentioned previously, they really have this eye to make sure that we have security baked into everything that we do um, and trying to make things as portable and as extensible as possible. And so, you know, as we make this jump to working in container workloads or, or maybe even serverless one day, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity and this initiative is going to grow. I think it's it's catching on like wildfire throughout CMS and, and throughout the, the federal government in general. And so I think there's tremendous opportunity for others to adopt this uh, moving forward. Okay, great. So now, Bob, is this a program that other agencies could learn from when it comes to secure software development? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and uh, I mean, the short answer is yes. I mean, frankly, CMS learned from another agency. You know, they went to uh, the Air Force Platform One uh, solution uh, in order to come up with, I think, uh, um, um, the solution that they've uh, implemented today. You know, they, they, uh, some of the things that can be learned, and, and Brett mentioned this earlier, culture, the culture change is, is significant. It can't be underestimated. Um, so part of the cultural problem that CMS had was that their developers were reluctant to make any change uh, to, the, to an application uh, because it could literally affect, you know, millions of users uh, and in a negative way. Uh, and so by going to this containerized solution, they can now make changes with 100% confidence that it's not going to impact the folks that, uh, that are using the applications, uh, and when it is deployed, uh, again, 100% confidence that it's going to work. So, you know, that, that does take a, a complete mindset change, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, CMS is, is, is absolutely doing it. Uh, you know, like I said, I think they're learning from, uh, from what the Air Force has done because the Air Force, and I think the Platform One solution has been out there for a number of years now. 
Uh, and, um, and this has been very effective. You know, the Air Force states that they've been able to take or they've been able to reduce uh, application development, you know, from hundreds of man years down to, you know, days or, uh, or weeks. Um, so that kind of a capability will, like Brett said, should spread like wildfire throughout all of the government because, you know, the government needs to react quickly uh, to the demands of, uh, of the folks that they, uh, they support. So Bob mentioned Platform One and, and to his point of reducing the application deployment cycle, um, Revicon was actually uh, one of the very early partners that helped build Platform One. In addition, we actually launched the first application um, within their IL2 and IL4 environment. So I, I can I can attest to the fact that the traditional software development cycle takes about two years to develop something in a waterfall model, and then two years to go through this like cyber accreditation process. So four years before you know somebody seems sees any value. Um, and that's not even including the acquisition piece, right? If you add the acquisition piece, it's usually six to seven years before anybody sees any value. Um, from our standpoint, we launched our first application called Puffboard in about six months. And that's because the cybersecurity process wasn't really ready for us, but it should have actually taken three. So in three months, warfighters have seen value, right? And, and same thing here going, going on at CMS. Um, we built the platform leveraging a lot of the, the know-how and some of the underlying infrastructure that we contributed to Platform One. And in nine months, we literally built out a platform to MVP um, that has cybersecurity tool chains baked in that creates 70 plus percent control inheritance. And we release an app within about nine, nine and a half months um, as, as kind of an early pilot. So, um, you know, to Bob's point, this, the speed to mission is, is ultra important. And, and that's really what this is all about. And it's really, you know, tackling kind of the acquisitions piece, the soft, agile software development and the cybersecurity piece. And, and all three of those pillars need to be in a really good state and efficient state for this, you know, speed to delivery to actually occur properly. This is some really great information, guys. Bob, Brett, do, you, do either of you have anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, um, a lot of people ask me, you know, when they go down this pathway, like, where do I start first, right? And and I tell them, like, hey, you know, all the DevOps things for your organization, especially one like CMS, right? It's, it's a huge undertaking. You know, if I have to pick and choose, I choose to focus on making applications uh, as a container workload first, right? And I think that's really what's going to give all of these orgs the most flexibility to put their workloads wherever they want, right? They can go straight to cloud and, and once they're ready to adopt Kubernetes or even like a DevOps platform, they can put it there, right? And so I think containerized workloads are the first step, if not jumping all the way to serverless, but um, there's some other challenges with that, right? So I think that's that's what I'd say is like, you know, I think DevOps is, is important. It's a way of the future. But if if I have to pick and choose, like, let's let's focus on getting our apps modernized and in containers first. And then I think we can make the next leap. Excellent. So the, the thing that I would add to a couple of things. One is, uh, first of all, we really appreciate the uh, partnership with Revcom. Um, you know, we couldn't do these types of projects without them. That's for sure. So uh, you appreciate the partnership, Brett. Um, but. Also, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it makes me really proud to be able to help agencies provide tremendous value for their customers. Uh, it, you know, and in particular in this case, because, you know, we're talking about, uh, people that are, you know, dependent on Medicare and, and medical services. So, and, uh, and so it's vital that they get the services as soon as possible. So, you know, it just, it, uh, it's great to be able to participate in these types of projects um, to help, uh, you know, the citizens. Well, really great. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thank, thank you, thank Mary. You.
Thank you for listening. For more episodes, visit www.fedhealthit.com and click the Listen to Fed Health IT for this and the rest of our shows. Or check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Oh, 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 oh,